Hey, listeners, if you are thinking about divorce and concerned about your children, please go to my online parenting plan course. It will help you plan how you're going to parent through divorce and beyond. And I promise you, it will keep conflicts from erupting in the future while keeping you centered on your children. Check it out at lisakoski.com. Welcome to Doing Divorce Different, episode number three. Today, Kim Geiken and I talk about collaborative law with Angela Hart. It's another great way. It's an option for couples who want to work together through the divorce process. So stay tuned to learn interesting facts about collaborative law. Welcome to Doing Divorce Different. I'm Lisa Kosky, and I'm joined with Kim Geiken, my co-host, and we're really excited to have Angela Hart with us here today. Um, Angela's become a friend of mine, and she's, I mean, I think I'm so excited to have her on because she has such a heart for serving people, and I have experienced it firsthand because I know that I have come to Angela with a lot of complicated legal questions. So I appreciate that. But Angela is an attorney. Um, she is president of the St. Croix Valley chapter Women's Law Lawyers Association. She's co-president of Collaborative Law. And in this episode, this is episode number three, so we're still pretty new, but we just want to really talk about collaborative law, what it is. I think of it as a sister of mediation. So we're going to talk all things collaborative law, and we're going to learn a little bit about Angela's practice and who this may be good for. And the nice thing about Kim, because she is a mediator now, but was a client of mine, she's going to kind of take things from the client perspective. And she'll probably ask Angela some questions that we're hoping some of our listeners and clients would want to know about. So, um, you know, I kind of told Angela that when I do these, I like to get little background stories about how you ended up doing divorce work, um, how you were you know, drawn toward collaborative law. If you want to start out there and then talk more about what it is, that would be awesome. Sure. So collaborative um, is something that I really didn't know about until after I started my own solo practice. And um, I was, I've been an attorney for probably about 26 years now. But I didn't always do family law. I started out doing business, uh, real estate development. Um, in I was in-house counsel for a long time for a real estate development company. And then I was at home with the kids. I have three kids. And then I went through a divorce. And the divorce was super contentious, um, super negative, very emotional. And I'm like, wow, is this what people go through when they go through a divorce? I can't even imagine. I, I had no idea that the, it was such an emotional drain on, on you and your family. And so I'm like, wow, I really didn't understand this at all with people. And I really was treating people the wrong way when they were going through divorce. And so I'm like, I just felt like, oh, well, you're in the divorce. That's your thing. No big deal. But it's like such a huge strain on everything um, and your family. 
And so I just camped out at the law library. I researched everything I needed to know about, you know, my thing. And I'm like, wow, what do people do who don't have that law background? How do they get through that process? Um, and, you know, my ex was not very cooperative. Um, and I, well, I mean, he was okay, but it was, he went through three attorneys. You know, it took the whole process, took about a year. I hired an attorney because I'm like, I need to help have someone help me through this. Um, but I was, you know, I, you know, we did mediation, but it, you know, it was, it was something that, you know, didn't, I don't know if we had, didn't have the right mediator, but it was, or maybe it was just my ex, but we did, it didn't work out in the end, but the, the whole process took about a year and we ended up in trial over three issues. And it was stupid issues, dumb issues that we could have easily worked out through some kind of dispute resolution process. And so I'm like, why are we even here? Um, now, maybe my case, it would have, it I wouldn't have worked with my ex to do it another way, but I mean, if most people, you don't need to be in that situation. So when I opened up my own practice, I researched and I found out about collaborative. The first thing I did was I went to uh, do the 40 hour mediation training. And so I became trained as a family law mediator. Second thing I did was um, join the Collaborative Law Institute of Minnesota and became trained in collaborative um, and really focused on that. And I'm like, wow, these are a couple of really good options out there that if people only knew what you could do with this process, instead of doing a traditional courtroom system, it would make such a huge difference. And so that's why I really started focusing on family law and in particular collaborative. And I would say probably 95% of my practice right now has switched over from like business and real estate to now doing all of family law mostly. That's awesome. Can you, um, I think people who are listening to this understand mediation a little bit, and you can talk about that a little bit, can, but can you explain um, how collaborative law is even a little bit different, but, you know, has its similarities too? Yeah. And so the unique thing about the, these processes is that you are required in Minnesota, and I don't know um, exactly what the requirement is in Wisconsin, but you're required to do some form of dispute resolution process you know, as you, as you go through your divorce. And so this is, they're both mediation and collaborative are both a process to start resolving your dispute. And so what's unique about collaborative is that instead of going to one mediator, you both would hire a collaborative attorney mm -hmm. and that a collaborative attorney is trained, has a mediation training background, but they also have collaborative training, which is interest-based negotiation. So not really positional, like, I'm going for the house period, but it's like, well, what are your reasons behind all these things that you want? And let's talk about this a little bit more. And your collaborative attorney not only is going to, to help you resolve this, but they're gonna be your advocate. So you've got two people sitting at the table um, instead of one uh, mediator, and you're working through things out with an advocate at your side. And so that's the difference I kind of see between mediation and collaborative. And sometimes, you know, there gets to be a standstill in collaborative and we say, well, let's go get a mediator you know, to kind of figure out this, you know, what do we need to do to resolve this? And that's the whole point is what do we do to resolve this to get you both through this process um, so that you both can have, you know, you know, meet your goals basically. And the unique thing about collaborative is that the attorneys and the parties sign a contract that, that say you're not going to go to court. And so that's what really puts it apart from other processes is that you're actually signing an agreement that say you're going to do this without going to court so that threat of litigation is taken off the table. And that's really makes things unique because then the attorneys can say, well, gosh, we, gosh, we really need to work together and figure out what's what to do for this family. And you have a little bit of a, a trust element in there mm -hmm. with the other side. The 
the you don't have like that litigation aspect saying, well, if you don't do it this way, we're just going to go to court. You're not deciding like who has the best case in court and who's going to win, which is sometimes what mediation or becomes or settlement, you know, settlement conferences become. You're deciding on what can we do to make this work so that we can go from one household to two. Right. Okay. So tell me, you've got clients that come to mediators and you've got clients who may need a collaborative attorney. What's the distinction between like, when I'm thinking of this in my mind, I'm thinking it's maybe someone that wants to work together, but they want a little bit more support from an attorney. Mm -hmm. Is that kind of what you see, Angela? Yeah. And so sometimes people just, they just don't have, you know, a really good sense of their finances. They just don't know enough about, um, you know, what's might be right and what might be not right. Um, And so if you're going to a mediator, that mediator knows what to do, but they're, they're going to facilitate that conversation. They can't give the person any advice or tell them what to do. They have to maintain that neutral status. And so when you have something where you have, you know, for example, if you have a case where there might be some spousal maintenance, you know, some person's not going to know, well, is this something that I should be concerned about? You know, this is the offer. This is a proposal. The mediator can't go in and say, yeah, this is a really good plan. It's going to work good for both of you. Whereas the attorney can say, oh, no, this is terrible. Right. You got to work on something. Let's figure out something else to help you get through this, you know, or right. different. let's go a different direction. So. Kim, can I ask you when you and Blaine and Angela, I don't, you haven't met Kim. She was, I'm sorry. (laughs) I have to do that introduction at the beginning, but Kim was a client of mine who fell in love with the process and became a mediator. So, um, so she's working with me a little bit right now, but I'm just wondering, Kim, when you and Blaine were looking to do this was collaborative law, anything that you even thought about or knew about when you were researching? I didn't. I actually just for getting ready to meet Angela today, it was <laughs> looked into more uh, collaborative law. So it, it wasn't even um, brought up to my attention uh, when we did this. So um this is really interesting conversation. So from what I'm understanding, if I'm a client, you know, if I would hire Angela and my ex were to hire another collaborative attorney, the four of us sit down and Mm -hmm. and figure this out. There isn't like a fifth person that is the, the judge and jury or the referee, or um, you're just all working together. Yes. I think it's a really, really great option. Um, But I can remember you know, when you're getting sworn in, you put your right hand up and, you know, do everything. And I didn't even know that I still had it up until the judge was like, you can put your hand down now. Yeah. (laughs) It's just, and it's so weird. It was then all of a sudden, like you're walking into a courtroom and you walk in and you're still married and you walk out and it's 18 years that is gone from, a higher up signature, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it was, it was surreal. And again, this is not like any disrespect to my ex or anything, but the feeling of walking out of that courtroom was, it was relief, uh, like that it was over, it was done. Um, and it was able to move forward. 
Um, but it's not a fun experience. So very emotional. Kind of what Angela was sharing is that, and she's been, Angela, you've been through it a little different than Kim because yours was a fight. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, I think that is the message is you don't have to go through that. Um, And if you don't want to experience walking into the courtroom, then you can be represented by two collaborative attorneys come up with an agreement and you don't even have to walk in. And I think Kim, yours was probably just um, stating that you were in agreement on everything. I mean, was it as scary as you thought it would be? No, no, it wasn't. I mean, you're in there and there's, you know, several other cases also that are going to be heard. So there's other people that are kind of hearing your stuff. So it's not like it's just him and I and a judge in the courtroom. Um, The mediation process itself, I thought was really good. Uh, The collaborative, I I think it's a great option for a a lot of people for a lot of reasons. And, you know, Angelus, for you to come into doing this, I'm sure the amount of empathy and compassion that you've got for your clients and, you know, their spouse and the attorney and the fact that there's specific collaborative lawyers out there, you know, that they know that the point isn't just to litigate and argue. It is to come to an agreement, which if you've got kids that can really open up the lines of communication for just going forward with everything better in life. Oh yeah. It really sets the tone for how you're going to communicate and treat each other you know, forever, basically mm-hmm. when you have kids, especially you have a lifelong commitment. Mm-hmm. How are you going to handle that? If you can't talk to each other, yep. you, you know, you're so mad at your spouse that, you know, you can't figure out how to handle the kids, you know, going, you know, tournament for that weekend. It's like, you have to have a means of communication. So setting this up, right. The first, you know, when you go through this process really makes a difference in the long run. And it really helps people from going, having to go back into court. Mm-hmm. You know, to figure something out because you're putting everything together now as a very big future plan. And so you're getting yourself organized and you may have to spend some time investing in that plan. But, you know, you're going to it's going to come out better in the long run. Yeah. So I have OK, I have one and I think I kind of asked this, but I so if you have a couple that comes to you and they kind of want to do a mediation when are you alerted? Like, help me so that it, because I always mention collaborative law to clients who come to me. Mm-hmm. When does a flag go up and you say, you know, I think this would be better served through collaborative law than through me doing a mediation with them? So I, I kind of go through the process, like all the different, when I meet with someone initially, I go through all the different options and I talk about each one, you know, mediation and collaborative. I say, well, you can do it on your own. All the forms are online. You know, it just mm-hmm. depends on what works for you and your family. But the other side has to be willing to do the, uh, you know, that's the tricky part is the other side has to be willing to do it collaboratively or has to be willing to do it you know, the mediation. And so the question is, well, what's the other side willing to do? And where do we go with that? And so it usually ends up might sometimes, you know, they have to go and think about it for a while and figure out. And, you know, some people mediation works great and they go work with the mediator. And then you know, maybe I just draw off the documents for them or something or help them, you know, after right. that. 
that. Or some people, they want to start out with a financial person, you know, um, because they really just need to have that expertise, you know, mm -hmm. with numbers. Some people, they start out with collaborative and they go through the whole process and it really works well. But it's what what they're both willing to agree to and have that voluntary, you know, it's that voluntary aspect. What can, what can we figure out that's going to be best for both of us? And so it's varies from person to person and what, you know, what it is. Like there are some red flags that, where it might not work with collaborative, where like if there's maybe some abuse of a situation going on with that right. person, one person's more controlling. I mean, obviously, or maybe the person's not willing to disclose information. You know, those are some red flags. And I, I really question a little bit more whether or not this is really going to work you know, using one of these methods. But for the most part, um, people, when I explain these processes, they like love them. They want to use them. They want to get, you know, they want to go through this and they just have to figure out how to do that, you know, how to present that to their spouse so that their spouse is going to go along with it. Right. Well, and I just think the more that we can let people know about these services, I don't know why anyone would do it any other way if they were really told the benefits and, you know, I mean, unless there's the odd duck who wants to fight everything out in court, which in today's society, we're seeing a lot of that, too. But, in, Angela, I have one more question that I don't know if I've asked you before in all our coffee dates and mm -hmm. meetings. Um, if someone comes in and they don't want to do a mediation and they don't think the collaborative law is going to work for them, do you practice just regular? Do you, would you just be an attorney to represent them in court or are you focused solely on collaborative and, and working together? So I tell people that I, my goal is to help them stay out of the courtroom process. Yep. If, if they need to be like, if they go and they have another attorney, they want to use me, but they have another attorney who is not collaborative. It's not that I won't take their case. I will still work with them because you still have to do some form of dispute resolution as your first mm -hmm regardless of what what you do in this in the state of Minnesota. And so it's just, you know, it's like, well, let's let's figure out what we're going to do. Are we going to do mediation? And or there's a for, you know, there's another process called early neutral evaluation, which is a, just another form of mediation. So, um, Angela, you're saying if a couple um, wants to go through the divorce process, they have to go through Either, even if they're just starting out, it's not that they're fighting over anything um, and one of them wants to file for divorce, they have to go through mediation to mediate the issues. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So mandated, when you file that paperwork in court, um, you're triggering two things um, under the Minnesota law. And one of them is if you have kids, you have to take parent education classes. Uh, so if you do it together, and, and don't go into the courtroom system, you can waive that, those parent education classes. The second thing that you're triggering is you're triggering um, the dispute resolution process. So you are required to attempt some form of what's called ADR, alternative dispute, dispute resolution. And that could be mediation. Um, you know, it could be what's called early neutral evaluation, which is a form of mediation. It has, mm -hmm. a, you know, or, or two, uh, but you you have to attempt something to try to resolve the process. Uh, you can even go, you know, once you're in the court, you can even stop the court process, go and do collaborative and come back and finalize everything. I mean, right. you have to perform for that too as well. So if a couple is going in and they're not, they're just doing it themselves, which some people do, um, 
and they're agreeing on everything, then obviously they can just go through the process, right? I mean, because there's nothing that they're not agreeing on. Yep. They can just figure out, they can, um, you know, if they wanted to, they wouldn't have to hire anybody. They could just download the forms mm -hmm. the, from the court website and then just sign off and then submit it. Um, if they have kids, they would have to have one hearing. It's called a default hearing. Mm -hmm. And the court wants to know, you know, is this your agreement? Do you agree? Do you understand it? You know, and is this your signature? And, you know, they basically entering their agreement onto record. Well, and I have one last question. Um, and I know, I mean, I'm wondering if the counties are different, but during COVID, there were, you know, they were doing phone hearings. Probably sounds a little less scary to people. Are we back in business in the courts now, are we? The courts are back in business. However, like many other businesses, they really like doing things virtually. <laughs> yeah. So when you have this, you know, default hearing and where you maybe only have maybe, and that happens a lot when you have one attorney um, and not two. And um, if you have one attorney and not two, you still have to have that default hearing because only one side is being represented and the other side is waiving their right to counsel. So you still have end up having that default hearing. So those hearings um, are being done virtually. And I see that in the long time future. Like judges really like to have that. Those hearings that really, you know, that everybody has an agreement. There's no real issues. You don't yeah. have anybody being, you know, on trial and doing testimony. Anything where there's not going to be testimony or, you know, they're going to probably stay virtual. And I think, you know what, I think that there are some blessings of COVID and that may be one because that is probably more comfortable for people. Mm -hmm. um, Angela, are they over the phone or are they like uh, yeah, Zoom? By Zoom. Yeah. By Zoom. Mm -hmm. And Angela, is it, um, if couples decide to do collaborative, is it typically less expensive than if they each had their own attorneys and duking it out or does it just depend case to case and how complicated things are? Yeah. What I will say to that is that, you know, what's going to drive cost is, you know, conflict. And mm -hmm. so it's really hard to tell from one case to another where it's going to go, but you know, is it cheaper than going to trial? Absolutely. Uh, you know, if you're in, if you're in litigation, that's just super expensive. You know, so that's not, it definitely is. And, and it, it might be a, you know, there might be a cost involved because you have to bring in the people that you need to help. Um, it might be a little bit more expensive um, than just, you know, um, you know, trying to do a settlement with another attorney, but you're actually focusing on well, how do we get this really set up so that we can, you know, live with this for like the best of our, you know, mm -hmm. children's well, life, whatever. And I, you know, I love what you said that conflict um, increases the cost. Amen. Mm -hmm. That is so true. And, but the thing that I love about these, I would, I, if I had to go through this process, I would do it even if it costs more because of the integrity, because of you're setting yourself up, especially when you have kids. But the beautiful thing is, is that it costs less. So I think, you know. And I mean, the, the emotional cost that can be long, long lasting than anything actually financial. I mean, there is definitely a financial impact no two ways about any divorce. There's a financial implication, but that the emotional cost that can come with it, that can be lifelong lasting for yes. some. Yeah. And I think people don't realize what all goes into a divorce. I mean, if you've been married for 30 years or 
more, you have built up a lifetime together that you have to now unravel. Yes. And it's not easy to do. It is not easy. No, I've said after when we started the process, it was, why don't they make getting married as hard as it is to get divorced? (laughs) Um, And I, again, I was so fortunate to have a good one, but it's still, you know, there's definitely those moments that you think it's just easier. It's just easier if I stay. It's easier to not go through this. So that would be the better option. And then, I mean, again, there's consequences to each action, right? So mm-hmm. yes, you just have to decide what is best for you. Um, but well, and looking back now, being on the other side, Kim mm-hmm. and Angela too, are you both so thankful now where you're sitting and looking back on it that you that you went through it? For me, I'm good. Yes. You know, my, my kids seem good. That it was really the five of us is what I had cared about the most, you know, that we were doing well. Um, I've been fortunate to remain friends with him and, you know, he's got a new person in his life and she treats my kids really great too. So, uh, and as a parent, I I'll just admit it. It is kind of nice to have your own time here and now. Um, you know, of course you miss your kids and, but it is nice to have a reprieve. And I, I feel like I'm a better mom to them because of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so when I was going through the divorce process itself, all I could think about is, oh my gosh, I cannot see my kids whenever I want to. That's all I could think about is like, now I have to share my time. I only have limited time with my kids. I can't see them whenever I want to see them. And that was something I just could not, you know, I couldn't get over that yet, that thought process. Um, And also it's like, you know, it boils down to like money. Like, you know, is this what my relationship and was worth is worth, you know, the value of my marriage, basically, Mm -hmm. you know, down to a dollar amount. And I'm like, you know, wow, is this, is this really, you know, I wanted acknowledgement that we had a good marriage and that we had a, you know, it was, it was a part of our lives that, you know, was okay. You know, that was, that was good. We had three great kids that came out of it. And, you know, it's like, I didn't get that in my, in my process, Um, that acknowledgement. I really needed that acknowledgement Mm -hmm. and I still haven't gotten it. And so that was really hard going through that traditional system where you don't, you don't talk about stuff like that. And it's like, if I just had, it's like, okay, you know, we had a great life together. Now let's move on. I'm glad that we're moved on and, you know, into different, you know, I'm glad that we're not married anymore, but it's like, I'm missing that acknowledgement, you know, and that's something that's really hard to deal with. You know, what I love Angela is that you have taken that and you are a gift because you are giving that to your client. I mean, you're helping your clients get what you didn't get. And I love that. And I hate to do this because I love chatting with you and Angela. I hope you will come back because I feel like you have so much knowledge. Um, So we'd love to ask you more questions. But I think this is it for today. This is the end of episode three. So Angela, can you just let people know if they're looking for a family law attorney or real estate, how can people get a hold of you? Yeah, so I'm my business is called Heart Law. And that's H-E-A-R-T because of my last name. Um, And, you know, I have a website at heartlaw.net. And then I have uh, my phone number, an email, 
Um, my phone number is 651-337-1333. Email is Angela at heartlaw.net. So yeah, and I'll, everything's on my website. I have a good resource page too um, that people can go to um, if they want information too. Awesome. What a great last name. I know, wasn't that perfect? <laughs> I think that's for another podcast. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much, guys. We'll Let's see you, Kim, soon. And Angela, hopefully you too. Okay, sounds good. Take Thank care. you.